peace, peace, peace. Welcome to the Palpatine King. Um, in case you're not aware, this is a health and wellness podcast that has a metaphysical core. Um, and, you know, of course, there's going to be a little careless whisper of that pop culture that you just love to hate. Um, so there'll be, you know, other little fun things like, um, you know, metaphysical movie reviews or uh, um, we're also going to be doing what I call late bloom album reviews. Uh, it's a lot of shit that I was supposed to see when I was young that I just never seen. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just seen Belly for the first time, like, um, a couple of weeks ago. So, um, we'll be doing a lot of shit of that, seeing what that kind of perspective is like. Um, yeah, just give y'all a little background on where this came from. Um, originally this podcast was called, um, The Dark Matter Mage. And some of y'all who probably still follow me on that Instagram account. Um, that's what that was for. Uh, it came from a, that was my version of a podcast that I wanted to do. Um, and, uh, the way this podcast came about is it's more of a, a idea that I got into it based off an idea that me and my friend, um, Darius had, uh, probably back in like 2014. We had this idea for a podcast where we would do these kind of movie, uh, movie reviews and music reviews and, um, you know, um, also kind of, we also had this like tongue in cheek love of conspiracy theories and like, you know what I'm saying? Spiritual hippie, dippie, woo, stuff we call new age. You know what I'm saying? Like obsessed with it, but then they like, I make fun of it type sense. Um, and as we kind of like grew and got older, it, it became less funny and more real. <laughs> um, and you know, um, life goes on now. Darius recently um, passed. He's no longer with us. Um, sadly, um, he passed away probably in late October of last year, 2022. Um, and this is also a lull for me spiritually um, in terms of some things I was going through and um, some um, issues I was facing with or being dealt with as far as consistency goes. So this is a effort, a super effort at that. And this is in memory of him. So rebranding it the Palpatine King um and we're just gonna keep rocking like that keep my man's spirit alive and 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 and, and try to do this work <laughs> you know what I'm saying that we put here to do now um you're gonna see me very heavily in this podcast talk about healing um you know what I'm saying the undercurrent latent theme of the whole podcast is healing is your birthright healing is the purpose of life healing is your hair your your inheritance um and, um, yeah, you know, so that's also happens to be what this first episode is actually about its theme as well. Uh, and to that effect, I have a, um, fantastic guest, um, part one of an interview that I did with the lovely Mariah Aria L. Um, she's going to be talking to us about her new modality, um, that she, I think just launched. So hitting the ground running. We're looking at the weekly ritual. Date. Uh, and since this is kind of the foundational episode, like, uh, as I may or may not have said, um, again, this podcast was once called The Dark Matter Mage. Um, and, uh, so there is an episode under my Anchor FM page that is, you know, 
uh, under that name. It's kind of an orientation episode. It should be listed as episode zero. This is episode one. So this being a foundational episode, I think what I really want to do is um, talk about probably the most important part. When we're talking about rituals, and um, as we're going in the podcast, we'll talk more about what rituals actually are and why um, everybody does them and you ain't escaping them even if you think that you, you know what I'm saying, you don't, you don't believe in God or whatever. Um, and that's not necessarily to throw shade because not believing in God is a very important part of understanding God. So um, anyway, when we're looking at rituals, we're looking at things that we or behaviors that we engage in over and over again um, that give us a spiritual, you'll hear me say this phrase a lot, a psycho-spiritual benefit. <clears throat> um, and uh, a lot of that, my journey into that was through uh, what you know, your mom and dad, a lot of our Christian parents would call witchcraft or the devil. And, um, you know what I'm saying? I consider myself a practitioner of hoodoo. Um, and I think it's very important for all of us, uh, even if you still maintain your belief in a traditional Judeo Christian religion, <clears throat> is to get some kind of um, initiation or understanding of indigenous. Um, spirituality or an indigenous spiritual tradition of which you can interface um, and understand yourself and understand your mind because um, you know even with modern psychology it's mostly just a understanding or a study of the uh, the uh, the filtering mind you know what I'm saying um, the conscious I guess it's not necessarily a really good survey of the spirit so having something that gives you a matrix of introspection creates a system of self-awareness um is only going to be benefit you know spent emotionally and psychologically so when we're looking at the ritual ritual when people talk about oh you do witchcraft oh oh you be doing rituals oh you you worship the devil oh that's witchcraft also what they call witchcraft and spirit is really what today what the week is today and that is journaling most of that shit comes down to the niggas think you like you know what i'm saying blessing stuff with a chicken foot and like you know i'm doing dances and 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 and, and uh you know what i'm saying blood magic and sex magic and shit you see on tv bro most of magic most of like having that shit is writing in your journal nigga <laughs> like looking at the moon and shit like they're like thinking about life like um so easily the easiest part of anybody's ritual and the, and the foundation of anybody's practice and doing your work whether you your spiritual work whether you describe that as you know witchy or, or magic or whatever or not um uh is journaling um <clears throat> because most self-awareness you know what i'm saying um there was a, a really wise dude a long time ago named um noble Drew Ali, who once said you know what i'm saying um study yourself and when you're done studying yourself, study yourself again. Um, so yourself is very important. And that's one of the main foundational ways you can do that is just keeping a journal of your thoughts, keeping a record of your thoughts. Even if it's not a dear diary, just writing down what you're thinking about, what you're planning on doing, which, what, what you went through in a day, a lesson you learned. Like if you got embarrassed, if somebody embarrassed out of you somewhere, like to the part where you couldn't talk, like you couldn't defend yourself, you need to be writing that down because that's a very good lesson. Once you really get spiritually active, it ain't no, ain't no L's, ain't no losses. It's only lessons, bro. So, you know what I'm saying? Get you a little book, get you a little mold scheme. You know what I'm saying? 
um, and just jot down what's going on. It can just be a little bit here and there. And there's different ways you could do it. You know what I'm saying? For me, most of the way that I kept a journal through my life was through writing music. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was writing songs. That's a perfect segue for a shameless plug. My new album, The Ormond is out oh, now Brittany Griner um, first picture from home Go check it out it is about um, what this podcast is some wings in the strip club um, this and is it great. is from an uh, Afro-Indigenous culture it's my nigga KP I use yeah. a lot of biblical imagery <laughs> in Atlanta uh, but I, I'm not a Christian oh, I buy like ATM you know because you're not going to get Atlanta hallelujah you know what I'm talking about who you there and what you think from you know what I'm saying give it a listen I think them shit was about that's the EP the album coming out top of the year you know what I'm saying keep an eye out shout out KP Way. Um, so, um, yeah, so there's Brittany Grant. Uh, that Brittany is where made it home. We um, are, and uh, was traded for this dude, Victor Baum. Um, dang, bro, we got to talk about Did y'all this shit, see Currently, that movie? Lord of War, it's like easily one of the Nicholas Cage. Easily one of the geopolitical climate is getting high. In this movie, this man is a Ukrainian arms dealer. There's one. There, there's all, one deals arms to every everybody on planet, planet Earth, more or less. For every twelve people on planet Earth, question is, how do we arm the other eleven? Now it's not lost on me that they chose one in twelve for that. Um, for that. Uh, for the next. But anyway, um, that dude. That's the dude we just traded for Brittany Griner. That dude. The dude who asked, how do we arm the other 11? That man, that's him. That's this dude right here. That's him. Yeah, he's Victor Bout. That's who we, That's who this dude let go. That's who this this dude who told you that you wasn't black if you voted for him just traded for Brittany Griner. Because he know re-election time coming up and the Democrats need to win because it's been a real bleak, bleak presidency of these, of these folks this past this past uh this, this past election so um that's who that's who they just let out you know what i'm saying this cage painting this movie this is really a fantastic movie it really explained this movie kind of helped us we gotta make sure we keep our a lot eyes of ways because so. it really helped me realize like these on to the next just segment playing, show. they're playing risk real they play that, that game risk. records of the ancient it's past. monopoly but uh, with nations you know and, what i'm saying uh, it just fused the war and the business concept you know, together. in america shout out to Montez, uh, montezuma shout out to that ancestor this him and his um one of his earlier incarnations i'm not gonna say original because uh they've already replaced you know, I'm gonna put a little crown, Christian cross in there. But I want to sit to the to the buildings in the background that he got. <laughs> um, it's very interesting that they would depict his homeland that way. It looks like ancient Greece or ancient Rome or something. Uh, so today's digs, we are looking at mushrooms and the role that they play in in the Christmas, uh, the Christmas myth. Uh, I mean, not necessarily Christmas, the Christmas, le- the Christmas legend. <clears throat> um, so, uh, this right here, if you can see on my screen, is the Amanita muscaria mushroom. It, it um, uh, psychedelic. It doesn't have psilocybin. It's not a psilocybin containing mushroom. It has a different psychoactive compound. Um, it is red. It has these little white spots. And uh, the running theory, the reason I have all these together, is because the theory is, as you can see here, there's Christ. Underneath is, um, you know, these four mushrooms. 
And there are different types and they're very specific types. And each one of these types are known to give you psychedelic effects. And the other thing is, is <clears throat> the further back you go in Christianity, as well as the cultures that produced it, that birthed Christianity, like um, uh, the Egyptian mystery tradition, and even, um, you know, uh, the spiritual ascetic system of ancient India and, um, you know, uh, Hebrew, Israelite, ancient Israelite religion, and ancient Canaan religion. The, the, the theme of mushrooms is very strong and a certain level of the teaching cannot be understood without the influence of psychedelics. Um, you know, I may not know that from personal experience but um so there's all this code that's been written into the results in christmas myths um and that's what we're looking at here supposedly the pope's dress is based off of that uh the white stock the red cap probably like red cap with the right spots should be out going to give her a check we're talking about style cosmology and she's going to a medicine person um the asian step from the Mongolian hinterlands, uh, Burian, Tengrist religions uh, also have this relationship with the uh, mushroom, which is very important, especially with the other example of this um, uh, is uh, Santa Claus. You know what it is, man. Okay, good. All right, now we're going to do the middle. So now I'm gonna do uh, oh I'm gonna do the Santa Claus um, interview. So just to give a little bit more background, I think I forgot, um, or maybe I edited it out in the original version of this uh, of the original version of this uh, video. This part right here talking about Santa Claus. Um, this is one of my favorite stories. I don't know how I forgot this <laughs> or how I cut this out, but um, the reason I brought that up was because Santa Claus originally, especially in, in terms of the legends and lore that was passed down, they, the Catholic Church and the Council of Nicaea had to decide which pagan practices they were going to incorporate into the new religion to make sure that the transfer from the pagan pagan religions into, um, you know, Christianity as they were formulating it uh, for, the, for the means of exercise and control, you know what I'm saying, so... Uh, but one of those legends, this Santa Claus legend, and where that Santa Claus legend has its root is um, these Tengrist uh, shamans, you know what I'm saying? And this is probably proto Tengrism, you know what I'm saying? How far back in history we're talking about with this. But uh, think a village like Whoville, and the Grinch <laughs> essentially lived up where, you know what I'm saying, the, the village shaman would have lived at, you know what I'm saying? And um, everybody else down in the town. Um, you know what I'm saying they do their fishing and their hunting and their gathering and their warring and whatever and he lives separated from everybody one so that he can serve the rest of the village as their medium for the divine you know what I'm saying and um, and the way he does that is by spending time alone you know what I'm saying he's the designated person to spend the time alone spend the time in solitude and you know what I'm saying do the meditation and do the, do the all that type of stuff it takes to really be in touch and in tune with your higher self so that people who are living a normal life down in the town you know what i'm saying don't necessarily have to have to live that way you know what I'm saying? um and that's a very interesting concept that we're going to come back to and probably revisit a lot in this episode is the concept of uh every man a shaman i want you to there used to be another one on instagram handles i had every man a shaman um that might be like a good hashtag for the show just because uh we live in a day 
an age where there's no more you go to the priest you there's no more medium there's no more distance between you and the divine it's just you every man is their own priest and their own you know what i'm saying uh, 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 medium by divine right over their own life, you know what I'm saying, including women, you know what I'm saying, and over their own respective households and stuff. So, anyway, the village shaman would come down, and what he would do is he would, um, uh, I'm sorry, in the winter time and in these high Siberian areas, the snow is insane, you know what I'm saying, especially back in those hunter gatherer days you had like a yurt or whatever or you know what i'm saying whatever your uh your house or enclosure was even if it was one of the sedimentary like stone built ones covering grass when that when the, when the snow is high enough you're not getting out of that guy my bro you know what i'm saying you're not getting out of that you're not getting out of that thing more like so the shaman one of the other advantages he has living next to the high elevation is he can come down and not be he's one of the only people who's not inhibited by the snow so the theory is that he would live up in the mountain forest you know what i'm saying herding the the reindeer and from there and a lot of this, certain aspects of this are still practiced there are certain um uh shaman in the hinterlands of siberia who raise the goats separate from the rest of the society and then bring to the back to the society the goats you know what i'm saying the milk from the goats but also there's a psychedelic like pee that the goats have because the goats ingest a magic mushroom um um so that's the whole thing too so certain aspects of it are still preserved but you know he takes the mushrooms collecting the mushrooms that usually go on these dung piles from these animals that have multiple chambers in their stomachs that's what are called ruminants you know what i'm saying and or this wood growing mushrooms that are at a high enough elevation that they can still grow you know what i'm saying that it's not they, they can still grow up through the soil and stuff they're not totally covered and inundated by snow so um what the shaman would do is once a year, you know what I'm saying, the shaman spends a year round imbibing with these medicines, spends time with social nature and stuff like that. Once a year, for the good of the society, everybody partakes. And that's kind of what the ritual of Christmas comes from is this village shaman comes down after he's harvested all these psychedelic mushrooms, pulled by the, the multi-chambered stomach animals, the reindeer, to help create these mushrooms in this biodynamic lifestyle he's living where he's farming these things right so he comes down he's got the mushrooms he's on the sled that's where we get the concept of him being on a rooftop because his snow where he's riding on the snow his sled is you know what i'm saying to such a point that he's not you know what i'm saying he's riding on the roof you know what i'm saying so he goes and gets to everybody's roof, roof and drops the mushroom down the chimney and um and uh you know when they wake up on christmas morning before they light the fire they collect uh you know what i'm saying the parents will uh you know collect the um the mushrooms and put them in stockings to dry over the morning fire you know what i'm saying and uh after they dry they have like their little breakfast and they open their um you know everyone trades their gifts which is a different concept back then um you know, and your mushrooms are dry. That means now psychedelically active because they have to be dry at first in most cases. Santa Claus has the Once same type of dress, the same color scheme as the, the Pope. <laughs> as and a if family. you look, and you can the even way see that you these, determine each one of these trees, whether or not you had a, a mushroom, and we have the cop of the, the Omni really, Muscaria presented top wise to us. Well, you had a bitch bro, um, so we can see it in them. Uh, uh, the and the evidence I think here is, or the implication here is that the, you know, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was in some way 
one of these uh, one of these um, experience inducing compounds that you months find and months in and months afterwards uh, more than here we have the metaphor of the serpent but going up um, the spine this is a metaphor from the kundalini shock what it does you know what i'm saying and just put it all in there this one this is I, I didn't find this picture you know, until i just researched you looked know, up you know especially if it's in i need some visual where we know that the work we're here doing this it was just crazy that that came up like that you be better going forward um, uh, this is some reading to do on that. that John Emero oh, so wrote this book called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. You, now, before right, you dismiss it, it's like, oh, just some random ass. This dude took mushrooms and then that was reading the Bible and started thinking he Now, John Allegro was one of the getting original translated Dead Sea Scrolls. And he was the only one at the time to be on this team. He got these translations of Dead Sea Scrolls academic approach. He was a back and his was the only translation that you know kind of put forth this like christmas was hey yo i think drugs are at the center of this kind of theory um and talked about how you know what i'm saying mushrooms are kind of not rocking christmas what the late 20th century would be the main difference between a lot of that was what promoted to promote the evolution of christianized you know um Ancient Israelite religion as a divergence from Canaanite religion or divergence from um, the other Afro-Asiatic cultural linguistic type of um, you know spirituality they had going on at the time. Um, so the, 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 there's a lot of interviews you can watch on this dude. It's, it's mad interesting. interesting. Alright, so for the uh what do we got here? So um let y'all this is the section of the show. Alright. Monolith Media presents Mr. Morale and Big Steppers by Kendrick Lamar. The late bloom. I was just really I'm hit like a old late bloom. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? I'm at my brother's house. And this one is you know what I'm saying? This one is an interesting one cleaning up my hair's cut. You know what I'm saying? And we listening to an album and watching a documentary on type shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm 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 14, 15 if it's one type shit. You know what I'm saying? See what the alcohol tastes like type shit. That's how this shit feel you know what i'm saying um, you got to play this shit style is obnoxiously loud and you can get away with that with an album like this because the musicianship is amazing you know what i'm saying like that's why albums like this are what they are when you can just turn the shit up like the love below you can just shit up coming from obnoxiously loud and what is the nigga gonna say because like do you hear the art coming out of this and then again what, what, the other reason i really like this you know what i'm saying i, I got a lot of you know what i'm saying on both sides being a creative but also like having a lot of homies who like you know what i'm saying still right now in the streets um you know i uh it's just peace uh it's mad interesting that that uh you know damn was one of my favorite albums right the streets wasn't really, wasn't really fucking with it. but you know what i'm saying the ones that the critics didn't really fuck with as far as kendrick lamir kendrick's career goes um I guess it's a damn hell of a whole shit, you know what I'm saying? And this album, I feel like it's a really good blend of both of those. I'm talking about the old Kanye. We got old old Kendrick and new Kendrick at the same time with this one. It's really not MT Young's really dope. But you know, that's how you know it. That's how you grow. So I'm grateful. Sorry, I know the N-word you should just give me two days off. Try to rain it back. I'll catch y'all next time. Holler at me on a grateful bear. At a grateful bear on Instagram. Find me out as Mount Yona 
Um, that's my Facebook page, Yona David. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, um, uh, welcome, welcome. I'll give my intro for the show as well as to you. Um, Palpatine King is kind of a, um, it's a health and wellness podcast with a metaphysical um, heart. Um, and it's like dedicated to a friend of mine who had like had a very strong, like a, a, a strong struggle with his healing journey his whole life recently passed so I kind of like dedicated the show to him um and I guess kind of like the latent topic of I guess this episode or the episode of this interview is going to be edited into is um like this theory that I have that healing might actually be the point of life um so um yeah we'll just kind of like riff on that but I do have some questions for you I got a little bit prepared yay <laughs> So um, I'm just going to hop in here with my icebreaker. Uh, what was your major in college? So my major in college was um, fine art, specializing in fashion merchandising and business. So it's almost like I went to a design school to study business. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't until I got there. And I'm glad that I did because okay. it's definitely aligned. <laughs> what what school was that? I went to Miami International University of Art and Design. It's a it's a design school in downtown Miami. It's like okay. it's a private school, so it's not as you know well known as some of the other like universities like UM and stuff like that. But um small school downtown Miami <laughs> okay how does uh how did your um so like what you learned there how did that play into what you do today so while I was in school I I can say that um you know my education in, in fashion school was definitely amazing research for me um research as to you know, the let, let's say the fashion field, right? The field of fashion. And there's the, it's a whole ecosystem, right? And so by going to fashion school, um, it kind of allowed me to kind of have like a bird's eye view of, okay, this is how it works. These are what these people do. These are what these people do. This is how they're connected. This is how they, they, they're kind of blind spots from each other. You know, this is how they don't even know each other. And so, you know, going to fashion school, I feel like it definitely you know, contributed to me, you know, learning very valuable things that I have incorporated in creating this now quantum makeover system style cosmology that I currently, you know, facilitate for myself and others. Awesome. Awesome. It was perfect. Perfect segue. Because um, I was like, I was very curious and I'm, I'm like, I've been, I've followed you for a while. Um, so I, it was interesting to kind of see you, um, um, 
package this or like kind of deliver this to the public and i was just kind of and and as you've like kind of it seems like you kind of have your marketing figured out because there's been like a slow drip with like um with how it's come out that i kind of like recognize and it looks pretty dope so i was just wondering if like style cosmology actually meant what it sounded like it it did so uh what what is it if you can tell us more without telling us too much so yes i I love when people ask me what it what it is because I love talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so again, style cosmology, it's it's a quantum makeover system. And when I say quantum, I mean like um, almost like an energetic makeover system. So style cosmology like ensures that we feel good on a soul level, so that we can look good, no matter what we wear, choose to adorn ourselves with. Okay. And so, you know, there's different, you know, levels of how style cosmology works, but I'm just going to kind of give you like a very broad kind of <laughs> uh -huh. overview of what that looks like. And yeah, so yeah. keep going. I'm going to open a window. Yeah, Chris. And so through style cosmology, um, we're able to basically take an inner space journey. Okay. So I, I kind of want to bring it back to like the, the the traditional idea of what a cosmologist is, right? A traditional cosmologist studies the origins and the development of the universe. Okay, so they're studying everything—the planets, the stars, the black holes, the everything. Right? They look at the entire system. And so, as a style cosmologist, I study your inner universe. And what basically, you know, what is your origin story? You know, what has, you know, caused you to develop um, the personal style that you have or lack thereof, okay? And so what I do is I guide people, you know, through this inner space journey to be able to um, connect to their most authentic essence and then bring that out through their wardrobe and, and what we wear. See, that's, that's really, that's really dope. It's a dope concept because, um, I'm heavy into like, um, scientifically proving like spiritual stuff so I can like translate it to millennials. And <laughs> that's a really under, I think, I guess studied one is that how big of a, how big, like what big magic it is to have your style in order. Um, and like how you adorn yourself is literally a means of your spiritual protection or damnation in a lot of cases. So absolutely, absolutely. And you know, one of the major activities that we do during the style cosmology interspace journey is we do what I like to call a wardrobe exorcism. Okay. okay. <laughs> and this is when we go through the wardrobe and we've got to, you know, we've got to have a fashion show. We have to literally try on every piece of clothing we have in our wardrobe so that we can emotionally process whatever attachments are lingering on those clothing. A lot of people don't know that um, a lot of residual energy gets attached to clothing, you know, partly because, you know, it, it's something that we keep so close to our being right every day. But also, you know, we, we tend to have a lot of kind of emotional attachments to clothing in general. You know, some of us have like emotional support clothing, you know. And so over time, if you don't clear out your wardrobe, you know, consistently enough, you know, these stagnant energies affect us on, on a physical level. They affect our light body. They affect our Merkaba, our, 
our ability to, you know, create mental, emotional, and spiritual stability and harmony for ourselves. So that's definitely, you know, that's part of our purification phase, you know, as we purify our bodies, we want to make sure that we're also purifying what we adorn ourselves with because who wants to do all that healing and purifying just to put the same stuff back on them and the same energies back on them? You know, it just doesn't even really make quantum sense, you know? <laughs> and it, it, it puts me in the mind of, uh, I was a big fantasy reader growing up, and it puts me in the mind of like, you know, uh, one of those fantasy books where like they get the little magic stone and then they charge the stone with the energy just for me to like grow up and become an adult and find out like, oh damn, that shit's real. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> more so not just with crystals, like also with the clothes we wear, the fabrics we wear. Um, it just like you're saying, it doesn't make sense for us to like purify our blood and purify our body and purify our mind and then put on the same, that's like getting in a dirty bed, putting on dirty clothes after you, you know what I'm saying, just cleaned your body, so. Exactly, exactly. It's like taking a shower and putting the same dirty drawers back on. It's like, ew, like that's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> not ideal. <laughs> <laughs> not ideal. Um, okay, so I want to ask you, um, um, so what is, you phrase it as, um, indigenous technology? What is indigenous technology and why is that important? And um, how how is it that that became like the healing modality for you? So indigenous technology is, um, or what I refer to it as, (laughs) is essentially our our light body, right? And um, in the same way that we use like our cell phone to connect to the World Wide Web or our computer to connect to the World Wide Web, our light body is essentially our indigenous technology that helps us to, to connect to the real life worldwide web right like we one of my sisters she put it so beautifully i always love to share this with people we swim in a sea of consciousness Mm. in the same way that a fish swims through the sea of water and doesn't know it Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so through um being more uh mindful and aware of our indigenous technology the state of our indigenous technology it allows us to be able to do some really fun stuff when it comes to consciousness. So um, our indigenous technology, it needs to be upgraded periodically, right? Just like our cell phones, how we'll have that upgrade in the middle of the night that, you know, now it's now now our, our, our technology is interfacing with new technology. We have this same thing with our light body. And, you know, this process isn't like an overnight process, like a cell phone. This is more um you want to look at your planetary returns so for instance let's talk about solar return okay everyone's got a birthday every day of the year and this is a very very special time for indigenous technology upgrades okay and so by that i mean that like you know around your birthday time and there's other planetary returns as well where this is a really good time but around the birthday the subconscious is very ripe for expansion and change, you know? It's like, we're just ready. We're going into a new year. We're ready to make changes. We're ready to, you know, do shadow work and all those things. And doing things like shadow work, excuse me, helps us to cultivate our indigenous technology and, you know, maintain it. Um, I think there was another, there was something else that I wanted to add to that. 
that you had asked me about. Oh, how did I come about working with Indigenous technology, right? Okay. (laughs) So I started my my career uh, in the realm of fashion design, but I would design things for people based on their energies, you Mm. know, certain things that I was picking up intuitively from them, you know, that's how I would go about designing them things to wear. But this was very kind of secret at the time, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, it wasn't so um, widely accepted, especially in the fashion industry, the, the field of fashion to kind of incorporate, you know, these kind of spiritual elements. So for a while, it was kind of just like my secret little process that I did. And people love the outcome of what I would create, but they didn't really know how I created it or what went into how it became to be, right? And so um, that's when I first started working with, you know, uh, Indigenous technology with others is through aura reading and fashion design. Okay, perfect. So when we come to... Um, damn, hopefully I can remember this because that just you know, <laughs> a, a double question. Um, when you, um, uh, okay, so the one thing I was going to ask was like, or note was that that's that's cool because my other question was going to be like, when this as a business concept it evolved organically, like people you saw this was a need that people were approaching for, or was it something that you just like realized, like, because I'm good at this and and it just or it was like a natural development um from reading aura it sounds like yeah i think that it was like i think it was 50 50. i think it was both um because i you know i started perceiving human auras like in my teens right but i would just kind of observe it i didn't really do too much with the information i didn't always pay attention to it that much you know so it was always something that intuitively was there but it was like i wasn't really making too much use of it right and then to you know after i started uh working with people you know doing the aura work and the aura readings you know this eventually progressed into constellation work and what constellation work is it's almost like an aura reading for an entire family so instead of just looking at the energy of the individual we look at the energy of their family system of origin. And one of the reasons why it's so helpful to do this is because a lot of people carry within their personal energy field, a lot of programming from their family system of origin, a lot of beliefs that are not compatible with their indigenous technology from their family system of origin, right? And not to mention just other, you know, physical things that we can inherit from our families that have to do with confidence, that have to do with how our body works, you know? Yeah. Um, so that kind of helped me to be able to, you know, uh, do aura readings better and, you know, uh, facilitate more of the, the aura regimens, right? Because we actually know like where the stuff is coming from. So right. <laughs> So where does, so, um, I'm just so interested in the connection between because you were talking in a little a little bit of like what I saw on some of the videos I saw. You're talking about how um, you don't specialize in astrology, but you do make the distinction between astrology and cosmology, which I thought was just like wording that worked better for your personality. But apparently <laughs> there's a difference and cosmology is more about kind of like 
a family perspective of the zodiac is that right yeah so so while astrology is more like you know the study of how the planetary you know the heavenly bodies affect us and our personalities as individuals cosmology is more of a study of the whole system so we have so we include the planets right we include the planets but we also include the constellations and we include the sun and we include you know um other galaxies other star systems we also include you know, human design in there. So it's a whole system of what, you know, contributes to you illuminating your most authentic essence. And astrology is part of it, but it's not the the main, the main thing there. And I'll be all, it's like a doorway. It becomes- Absolutely. <laughs> um, dope, dope. I'm gonna have to do some, uh, do some due diligence on that. Hopefully everybody else listening will as well. The other thing that leads me to, um, just because I don't know as much about, um, at least specifically, is like aura, aura reading. Um, a lot of spiritual gifts, especially for people who just develop them as kids, I think it's something that everybody can kind of do. Like, um, I used to see what my friend has called fester orbs. And I thought it was just like this way I was squinting and looking at the light. You thought like everybody, everybody, can, everybody can see those, right? Those little things. Um, so what is, what is that like for you with um, with reading auras? And did you just take it and just get better at it? Or did you like have to go do some study and, and then like figure out like, oh, that's what that is. And then like get better from there or like get a teacher. Like how did you develop this? Yeah, so... I, I definitely I agree. I agree with you that everybody has these intuitive gifts, right? But it's almost like it's like a psychic muscle. You got to work it out and, you know, make it stronger and consistent and, you know, um, all of those things. So I have always had, you know, that intuitive ability. But up until the age of about 14, 15, I really only perceived auras of like plants. I would work with auras of plants a lot, auras of plants, auras of crystals, auras of objects. Like one of my favorite things to do when I was a kid, I used to love to go thrifting. I still love to go thrifting. But one of the reasons why I used to love to do that as a kid is because I would read objects. And so, you know, it's called psychometry. And you can basically, it's almost like, you know, this book. Okay, this book has a story. Who had this book? What mm -hmm. did they feel? Mm -hmm. all of these things and so i would just go through vintage stores just collecting stories of objects but it wasn't like it wasn't until i had um i studied abroad in india when i was about 15 16. Wow. and so when i when i went to india i started you know uh studying ayurveda i started doing a lot of um you know, personal healing work, clearing work, yoga every single day, breath work. And these were not things that I, you know, had any sort of practice of before I went to India. So while I was there, I, that's when I was able to kind of like, you know, with assistance from others and divine guidance, you know, create a practice for myself that did help to activate, you know, a lot more of my gifts. And that was when I was able to start seeing auras of humans. But again, like the first time I saw it, it was terrifying because it was very sporadic. I was in the shopping mall, just walking around minding my business. And I wasn't chanting at the Ganges or in a temple. Like I was just shopping and I just 
just see this thing randomly and I'm like, oh my God, like it was really scary because I wasn't like, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't calling that, you know? And so, you know, as I cultivated my gift, you know, now it, it's much more at will, you know, I could, I could, I can tap into it, you know, when I want to, but when I was first learning, it was kind of like more sporadic and like a little chaotic, but, um, but yeah, I really give credit to like, you know, my teachers and the practices that I learned while I was in India, because I feel like they really helped to clear up a lot of the systemic dysfunction within my light body so that I could activate some of those, you know, um, gene keys, some of those ancestral DNA, all of that, you know, because if you've got too much going on in your light body, it's going to be really hard to tap into those intuitive gifts. So, you know, through style cosmology, that's another thing that we focus on is, you know, uh, cultivating those gifts because you don't have to be a healer or a spiritual practitioner or a, uh, any of those things to use your intuition. Everyone should be using that, no matter what you do, you know? So how did you manifest India at 15? I was an exchange student. I um, I was part of a club in high school called uh, Interact. And it's actually the high school version of a, of an organization called Rotary. Have you ever heard of it? Rotary Club? Yeah, yeah they have them everywhere. So I, w I was an exchange student through the Rotary Club. That's crazy. That's yeah. Wild. Damn, I'm, I won't be like I'm jelly, but I'm a little jelly. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting for me because I, uh, I don't know how to phrase this without oversharing. Um, I, uh, I've had a long, journey with the Indian spiritual system like I've studied it's pretty much the last thing that I have studied uh um in terms of like what other cultures have to offer um in terms of healing which is ironic because it started off my journey like one of the first books I ever read was called the iron ring and mm. I kind of tapped into um some of the things that you know yogis and brahmins are adept at from just them being described in that book and then i think once i got into once i hit puberty and got into like spirituality and stuff for real i just like i wanted i was so drawn to it but also like growing up a millennial and growing up around a bunch of hipsters like you like start making fun of everything and you get jaded with everything and i was like oh i don't want to seem like that so let me not do yoga even though like you know what i'm saying like i don't want to be seen as a a yoga doing ass or a yoga head ass or whatever you know what i'm saying and yeah. that's very cool because it's and it keeps coming back into my life in various ways again i guess this conversation is one but um that's just that's super interesting that's super dope uh because yeah i was gonna ask how much influence the tapestry you have hanging behind you has um and it's my girl Durga. and and one thing i just for some reason i feel called to throw out there is that so my mother my maternal lineage is from the islands of jamaica right oh okay and um but i've never been there can you believe that i've been all the way to india but i've never been to jamaica mm -hmm. and you know as i've done genealogy research another thing we do in the style cosmology interspace journey I have been able to see how deep the roots, okay, of Indian culture go in the Caribbean. Deep, very deep. 
I didn't and so that. as as we like to say like oh that's their culture that's not our culture they're over there mm. we're this. there's really like not a separation like that we're a global people right and so all i know i can only speak for myself is that there's some indian ancestor way, way back there in the line that called me to india and and gave me certain gene keys so it's always like you gotta trust your intuition you know and look at the cycles of your life because they give you way more insight sometimes than our conscious mind you know yep and that's why i always it's always it's so difficult for me to especially like when i'm doing podcasts or interviewing people it's difficult for me to not pontificate especially because like i'm a virgo <laughs> the gemini rising oh, so, like, I'm pretty much always, I'm pretty much always think I'm right. Like even when I'm apologizing. Uh, so, um, but anyway, to my point, um, that's why I like, I don't want to pontificate about the perspective that I get from, um, you know, um, the Moorish American paradigm. But the reason I, I vibe with it so hard is because it, if you take it, um, when you do your own work and you move your own hurt and trauma out of the way, like you can see that it is really a healing modality, it provides an international, global, you know what I'm saying? So instead of you being like, oh, I'm not gonna mess with that, that's not a part of my culture, you know what I'm saying? The the whole world is, you know, and it mm -hmm. that's one thing I really love and I really appreciate with that. And yeah, definitely, definitely was an ancestral calling. You can just wind up. Are you from Florida? Um, I went to high school and college there, but okay. I grew up in Canada. So no, I'm not from Florida. Yeah. yeah, so even more, no way you were like, you know, um, for where you're from and then just wound up in India without some ancestral involvement. So yeah, for sure. Okay, um, okay so um, speaking of indigenous technology, um, which I'm glad you broke that down because the way I use the word indigenous technology, I'd be talking about like mushrooms or something like that. Um, <laughs> hey, that's part of indigenous. It affects the light body. I'm telling oh. you, when I needed to crack open my heart space because mm -hmm. I didn't know how to cry, I didn't know how to feel my emotions. It was that indigenous technology that you know unlocked that. So mm -hmm. I would still connect. I would, I would, I would say that that's part of it. <laughs> right, right. And I assumed when you said that because it seems like. That goes very hand in hand, like you know what I'm saying. Like you said, your actual wardrobe, and then your the family paradigm, the ancestral, which for me I think is a um a uh, which for me I think is a um uh, what am I trying to say here? Um, ancestral paradigm is a a past life paradigm. Right, my study would lead me to think that like. In a lot of cases, when you're being, when you're, if, if reincarnation is a thing and you're being reincarnated, like it's very likely that you're coming back through ancestors. Um, so um, I definitely, definitely vibe with that. Um, my next question is what is, what is Wetiko? And Wetiko. it's crazy that you gave me that background uh, about <laughs> Canada because I was like, it's interesting that you chose the Canadian Algonquin instead of like the United States Algonquin, which is, we say Wendigo. Um, mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about that. So, yes, I, so, but to go, it's really scary because you know why you can't see it, but it's everywhere. Right. <laughs> Did you see that scary movie smile that just came out? No, I don't think so. 
Okay, you gotta watch it because that's what Wetico is like. So, anyways, Wetico is a it's a virus. It's a psychic virus that affects the light body. It affects the mind. It affects the uh, the emotions. It's it's basically an illness, an ailment of the soul, an ailment of the spirit. Okay, so Wetico is not something that we can address by doing a juice cleanse. It's not something that we can address by, you know, just journaling or doing breath work alone. Um, Wetico is something because it's so um, non-local. I'm just going to call it a non-local <laughs> type of thing. Non-localized, heck yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something that um, it's almost like we can only observe it through the, the character traits and the behavior that is displayed through somebody who was infected with Wetico. Okay. And so what we call that collectively is narcissism. Okay, we say people are narcissistic. Oh, they're narcissistically abusing others. But narcissism is basically the just describing the outcome, you know, the behavioral, mental, emotional outcome of prolonged wetico infection. Okay, mm -hmm. because what wetico does is it it eats away at your emotional range. Okay, okay. so you know how like. We all have, we all experience emotions differently, right? And our emotions is the lens of which we experience life, okay? So whatever our lens is, that's what we're tainting our worldview with, right? And so people with, who have been infected with Wetico, their emotional range is extremely limited, okay? Like, you know how we can feel happiness and joy and sadness and sorrow and fear and, all of these different things, people who have been possessed, infected to the point of possession by Wetico only experience life through a very limited range, like fear, you know, um, sadness, guilt, shame, you know, it's a very limited range. And so, you know, this is, this is one of the reasons why they're able to go out and do, do such heinous crimes to others without any sort of remorse because they can't actually feel remorse, you know? Mm. So it's something that is, um, you know, it's super scary because it, it affects you at the individual level, but also at the collective level. Mm -hmm. Because pe people who are have Wetico and get married to other people and create family systems, that family system has Wetico in it. When we start businesses or communities and we have Wetico, our business or our community will also have Wetico in it. Mm. If we start a nation, you know, and we got Wetico and we don't learn to love and not hate and get our root chakras right and all of these things, the nations that we gonna build is still gonna have Wetico and it's just gonna be literally a, you know, um, a reenactment of the U.S. corporation, you know, yeah. because literally it's built on Wetico. Like I... Mm. U.S. corporation is is rampant with Wetico. I can say that. <laughs> I mean, and that's what I think is the scariest thing about it. I think it's because we live in a society that is designed to turn us into that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. like, remember when in Matrix when Marcus like designed to turn you into this? Like the battery holds up. Like that's really more accurate. And I really, I really do. I really do fuck with that perspective, like you putting it that way, because it's such a it's 
It's a descriptor I can use now in like polite society because before then I was still using this like <laughs> this like Dr. Umar pan Africanist like there is a nigga inside all of you. You must do it for the two people. You know what I'm saying? So that <laughs> I think I can say that, get away with saying that in public spaces a lot more. Um, okay, I'm gonna pivot a little bit. Yeah. To, um, talk some business talk. Actually, you know what? I've only got um, I've only got five minutes left on this Zoom. I think I need to we hop off and hop on again. Or yeah. So okay. I'm gonna, we'll let the time run down. I'm just giving you a warning in case. Uh, um. So, uh, how do we square our mandate to heal? Um, yeah, us like as yeah, especially indigenous people i think it's the if my mission was anything it was to try to return the world to indigenous forms of life because spiritually and like organically it's the only way we're like gonna be allowed to stay on the planet you know what i'm saying so um how do we square this mandate this that we have to heal which is like you know what i'm saying what i said or why my theory is that healing is the point 